Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. As we come into 2023, we are taking a focus of abiding. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. In the opening game of 2023 for Monday Night Football, the Buffalo Bills took on the Cincinnati Bengals. At 9.05 p.m., the ball was in play, and 24-year-old DeMar Hamlin tackled Bengals receiver T. Higgins as a routine tackle, but it was anything but routine. It was then after standing up after that play that he immediately collapsed backwards, flat on the ground, collapsed in a full cardiac arrest. Moments later, as, he was, as uh, medical physicians and people came around him to, to check on him and see what was going on, um, the people around him and the players and everybody were stunned because they actually had to resuscitate him twice in the matter of nine minutes on the field. They stabilized him enough to be able to remove him from the field, but as they transferred him to the hospital, he still remained in critical condition. Photos have flooded Facebook and all social media platforms as stunned teammates just witnessing what I had never seen in my lifetime as well as these players to see their own teammate be resuscitated. He flatlined on the field. One of the pictures that you, see, uh, that you may see is a, a player kneeling, uh, and, and there was multiple players weeping and coaches just, you could see them, and they weren't, uh, some of them were not necessarily talking to themselves. What we find out later is that many of them were praying. A widely spread picture happened thereafter of one as the ambulance was pulling away of both teams gathered together praying in a group. And if you could see that picture, you realize that it wasn't just the Bills. I mean, at one point it was just the Bills. At one point the Bengals. But there was a picture of the entire football team, both teams, going and praying together as. Um, DeMar Hamlin was being carted on this Monday night. At, that, at the end of that particular time, as the, as the ambulance was pulling away, you begin to see how commentators were absolutely speechless. I mean, they were trying to pan away while they were uh, fixing him up, so to speak, because they didn't know at the time. People were just speechless because now the focus was no longer on football. The focus was on an individual person that may be fighting for their lives at the moment. And in fact, we later find out it's true. He was fighting for his life. This was no longer about a sport. 
Monday night, playoffs, nothing. It was about this man surviving. So the focus completely shifted from football to this man who his soul matters to Jesus. Is that right? So rightfully so, the NFL kind of paused all of football. They kind of just let players kind of rejuvenate themselves and try to figure out what they're going to do next. And it wasn't until about an hour or so later that they said, you know what? This game will not continue. And in my opinion, was the right call. None of these players were in right mindset. I mean, you're talking about full-grown men that this is what they've done their whole lives. They've smashed people. It's what they do. They smash people. They run. And, and no matter how much money you make and how much muscles you have, all these things, when you see a teammate down dying, flatlining, that'll affect you for a long time. So they decided to do the right thing. And for the next couple of hours, America took a knee, this time for the right reason. Over the course of the last week, I'm blown away by how many uh, broadcasters and things. And, and Sammy even mentioned it just a few moments ago, how broadcasters were, uh, one I specifically saw, and she actually sent it to me, uh, a broadcaster praying, saying, I don't know if this is right or whatever, but I'm going to do it anyway. All of a sudden, invoke Jesus into the situation. Now, I want to make, make a note here. That when here this commentator invoked Jesus, now not just Jesus, invoked the name of Jesus, the word of God, and the prayer of the saints, and he invoked it with no apologies. And that's amazing. Now this response was put on the global stage and no one opposed it. Let me make this very clear. No Freedom From Religion Foundation staffer ever complained. No separation of church and state advocate protested. Not a single one touched that with a 10-foot pole. Why? Now, I have to ask myself, why? Why? Because so many people showed up in force that they would be the minority voice. Friends, this had nothing to do with skin, color, money, status, background, ethnicity, race, or gender. This had everything to do with a bunch of people cared and a bunch of people prayed. And if you stood up against this, you would become the, the, the minority and nobody stood up against this what if the church of Jesus Christ was focused like this not just focused but laser focused like this I will not apologize I will not make excuses I am who I am and he created me this way let's go forward in the name of Jesus Since Monday night, DeMar Hamlin has awakened, and the first thing out of his mouth was, did we win the game? And the witty, witty doctor standing next to him, or nurse, or whoever it was, said, there is no winner of the game, but you, my friend, won the game of life. 
Just yesterday, he tweeted for the very first time and thanked all the people that have been praying for him. He is breathing on his own, tweeting, I guess, on his own. But the focus shifted when there was calamity. Friends, you don't have to wait till calamity to, to shift your focus today. You can make a decision right here, right now, today to make Jesus the center focus of your life. Now listen, this man, he's going to come back, I believe, because all of, his, all of the, uh, the neurological functioning, everything is going uh, well, and they're saying he's in excellent shape. He's just got to recover. But when he recovers, he is going to have a testimony to share. That's going to be exciting to hear. But I want to take a moment and focus on how that shifted so quickly and how people were willing to pray and how people were willing to take, uh, to take a moment. And you know what? With the guy that I just wanted to pop a few moments ago in football, now I take his hand and I pray. Shifting focus matters when eternity is on the line. And they knew that if they didn't pray for Damar, that he could very well enter eternity and they'll never see him again. And that mattered. When's the last time we cared about eternity in that manner, that we're willing to stop everything we're doing and refocus ourselves? I think we need to do that. And I think this is the appropriate time and place to do that here on the first Sunday of 2023, where we gather together and we say, okay, what does God have for us? So I want to talk to you in continuation about this focus, but I want to talk about a focused life this morning. I want to talk about a focused life this morning. Eternity is, is this vague concept for some people, but eternity in reality, in God's view, eternity is very real and very much a part of what we should remember every single day of our lives as believers. We can't think of eternity as that thing that will happen at one point. As believers, we need to see eternity as what can come around the corner at any point, and I can't determine when that will be. Right? Many believe that Jesus is tearing and his delay and his return, that we might get an extra chance. Can I tell you something? Every day that passes is a day closer to the return of Jesus Christ. Do not take that lightly, but live a focused life. Somebody say a focused life. Matthew 24, 42 says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Somebody say focus. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about, wasn't he? He was saying, in essence, therefore, stay focused. Keep watch. Because you do not know what day the Lord will come. The Bible is telling us, instead of living like the second coming will happen someday, that we should be living like it could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. And what if you only had 24 hours to live? Would you live differently? I know I would. Sometimes I get kind of 
geared up like, okay, I got seven days before this and three days before that. I don't know. I don't know how many of you guys do your bills digitally, but I get a, a like a reminder three days before a bill is due on my iPad. It tells me, hey, this bill is due on this day. And it kind of gives me that bill reminder of three days ahead of notice. Can I tell you something? If God was to say I'm coming back tomorrow at 6 p.m., how many of you would care about what happens the next day? None of you would because there is no next day. Everything would matter between now and 6 p.m. tomorrow, right? What would shift? Your focus. So what am I saying to you? Does that mean don't have a five-year plan? No. Don't have a 10-year plan? No. Have that. Write it down. But just note that it's written in pencil. That God has a way of changing things for you. Right? Some of us are in Sharpie like, this is what's going to happen. She like that? I've been working on that all week. That Sharpie sound is on point, wasn't it? Is that good? Thank you. Thank you. I can close in prayer now. I feel good. No, no. Don't want to give you false hope. Um. But write whatever you're going to write in pencil because God's not done with you yet. And in this season of focus, the problem is that we look at our lives. Sometimes we look at life through binoculars that are nice on the outside, like many binoculars look to be fine on the outside. But how many know that the outside of the binoculars don't matter as much as the lens on the inside? Because the outside of binocular never helped me. <laughs> Has the outside of a binocular ever helped you? It really doesn't because the binoculars, they don't help you until you look on the inside and they help you to gauge where you want to see. And so largely, God looks on the inside of us so we can be able to see the real us. So he can be able to see the real us and we can looking at ourselves and say, you know what, God, I have some priorities mixed up. How many know that priorities are important in how you focus your life, right? So today, all of our lives have focused on different things. And if your life has been focused in 2022 in certain areas and you achieve those areas, how many know that it's good to be able to achieve goals in, in your life, right? It's good to achieve goals. Have goals. Do that. Have a focused life. But realize that some things will not pass into eternity. You have to set eternal goals. And don't forget those priorities in your life. So let me look at for a moment Colossians, if you would allow me a few moments. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Turn there, if you would, with me. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If you don't, right up on the screen it says what, where we're going to be focusing on, verses 1 through 4. It says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above. What does that mean? Focus on things above. In other words, he's saying this. Right in the beginning of that, he's saying, since you have a position, now set your priorities. So let me read that first part again. Position. Since you have been raised with Christ, position, now set your heart 
on things above. Priority. Position determines priority. Where are you positioning yourself? If position determines priority, where are you positioning yourself? From time to time, we can get lost, right, and lose focus, but, but, but we often do that because we lose our position. Case in point, back to my initial analogy. The position of that room was there were a bunch of, uh, excuse me, in that stadium, there were a bunch of people there positioned to watch a football game. Yes? Say yes if you agree. Okay. There were, some of them were there to drink. I know that. Some of you are like, oh, oh, oh. Okay, let's just loosely say they were there to play football or watch football, right? There was a minimal few that were there to play football. There was a bunch that were there to coach football. And there were people on the other side of the television screen there to watch football. Everybody had different focus that had the same destination. But all of a sudden, that occurrence, that situation brought everybody to one focus. Because their position changed. No longer was I a watcher at home. No longer was they a coach on the sideline. No longer were they a teammate. No longer were, you know what they were? They were all observers of somebody in need. Now their position changed, therefore, their priorities changed. No longer was football important. No longer was how much I made this year important. Now it turned to a human soul that was inches from his life ending. Now, let me continue to read in Colossians here. Set your mind on things above. Not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? That there are times you need to hide in the shadow of the Almighty. I thought I'd get more amens than that. Leisha, I'm going to preach harder. I promise. I'm going to preach harder. Sometimes we need to hide under the shadow of the almighty God and say, I don't know what's happening. My position has changed. My priorities have changed, but I don't know where to go. But I need to hide in Christ. And some of you are like, I'm a man. I don't hide from nobody. You could think that, but when you stand before God one day, your manliness is not going to gain you any sort of credit. Right? It's just a soul, let me make this more clear, creator and creation. It does not matter whether you're male, female, or rich or poor, black or white, or whether you grew up in the suburbs of the city, none of that matters. It's going to matter one thing. What did you do with Jesus? Did he become your savior or did he not? And we'll all stand. Why? Because our position changed. Now, all of a sudden, the priority is, where's Jesus in all of this? So, very clearly, we got to be hidden with Christ. When we don't understand, we can go to Christ, and we then, verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. Let me tell you something. To live a focused life, you got to stay with Christ. You got to stay close. Is that right? Everybody say abide. Abide. 
When we stay with Christ, things happen. So let me, let me share with you three quick things because that's what good preachers do. They share with you three quick things. And the foundation of a focused life is the first one. The foundation of a focused life. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. There it is. We can stop right there. The beginning of that verse told us everything we need to know about a focused life. Because we are in Christ, there it is. That's the foundation. Your foundation is not anything you do. The foundation is who he is. He is Savior. He is Lord. That's our foundation. We, if we move from that, you know what we move into? We move into works for salvation. We move into, uh, I'm a good person, and I walk little old ladies across the street. I, I, I bought groceries for someone that was really in need. I helped pack at the, ch- at the church. We did an outreach, and I helped pack boxes of, of groceries for some. I did good things. Look at me for a moment. Good things are good, but that doesn't mean they're God. That doesn't equate salvation, and it doesn't earn your way to heaven. The only thing that gets us to heaven is a focused life on the grace and the power of Jesus that he already saved us with. So now, I don't do anything to earn heaven. I now say, God, you did everything to earn heaven, to help me to earn heaven. Now I'm going to work to honor you with my life. Everything that my hands and my substance can do, anything my gifts can bring, I bring that to you as an offering. Are you seeing the focused life so far? See, many people... um, founded their life and the foundations of the things of the world, like religion and doing good things, and, and all those are great. But all these are just like the man in Matthew 7 who builds his house on sand, right? And after the storms came, the house was destroyed, and then what? You build it on sand and it gets destroyed, then what? Your foundation isn't right. The foundation has to be Christ. So from our our text, Paul is stating that the world foundation is shaky. God's foundation is strong. Second thought is this. Not just the foundation of a focused life, but the formation. The formation. So our lives, in order for us to be focused, how do we form our lives to be focused? I'm glad you asked that. And maybe you did it, but you did not. You're welcome. The formation of a focused life happens when you start to do a couple things. Number one, you set your heart and you set your mind. You're looking at that Colossians passage, and he's setting for us the formation in which we're supposed to walk in. So in order for us to become people who are focused, we have to set our hearts and our minds. Our hearts are naturally, say this with me, corrupt. Naturally corrupt. And and what happens is when we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity, that's the fancy term for sin, right? Iniquity. It's that bathing of sin. Sin is oftentimes looked like an act. Iniquity is sitting in it. I have a great analogy, but I don't think it's going to work preaching it from a pulpit. But as parents, you know the difference between a child who just went to the bathroom in the diaper and one that was sitting in it. Yeah, 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 shh, relax. You say, ill, 
But guess what? That's no different than sin, committing a sin and sitting in it. Sin, iniquity. Need I say more? I got visuals. Let's see that pic. No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. You got problems, all of you. No slideshow. We will lose members left and right. <laughs> Some of you are like, how is he going to come out of this one? I don't know. We'll find out. From this text, Paul is telling us, number one, be wise. Because there's a lot of things in this world that will try to get your attention to keep your mind and your heart on the things of this world. You're probably aware of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. I found a particular, let's call it an opposing verse, version of Psalm 23, and it's called the 23rd Channel. And it reads like this, the TV is my shepherd, my spiritual growth shall want. It maketh me to sit down and do nothing for, for his name's sake, because it requireth all my leisure time. It keepeth me from doing my duty as a Christian, because it presenteth so many good things, shows that I must see. It restoreth my knowledge to the things of the world, and keepeth me from the study of God's word. It leadeth me in the path of failing to attend church and being useless in the kingdom of God. Yea, though I live to be a hundred, I shall keep viewing my screens as long as it shall work. It presenteth entertainment before me and keepeth me from doing important things with my family. It fills my head with ideas which differ from the word of God. Surely no good thing will come of my life because so many wasted hours I shall dwell in my remorse and bitterness and memories forever. I don't want to say amen after that. Listen, friends, we're living in a world that wants to cater to your flesh. And you have to decide whether that's okay or not. The 23rd channel. See, God expects our lives to be centered on him, not on the world. See, most people will say things like this. I go to church. I read my Bible. I try to live a good life. Raise your hand if you heard those things before. Right? How much better of a witness would we be if we said, maybe let's course correct a little bit. And what if we said something like, I believe the blood of Jesus allows for salvation and healing. What if we said things like, I have chosen to follow Jesus all the days of my life. What if we chose to say, I have faith that Jesus is the only redeemer, not the things of this world? What if we went that route instead of, I just do this, I just do this, and I just do this, checking off the list? God is saying, I want you to live a focused life. I don't just want to have, I don't want you to have a holy schedule on Sunday and then Monday live like everybody else. So, let me move on to this. I'm going to move on to another uh, verse, a verse of Scripture in Romans 12. 2, do not conform any longer 
to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what, it, what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. I love this thought. The, to know the will of God is the greatest knowledge. To find the will of God is the greatest discovery. And to do the will of God is the greatest achievement. The will of God. Everybody seeks it. Everybody wants to know it. It's the greatest thing. To know the will of God is the greatest knowledge. To, to find the will of God is the greatest discovery. To do the will of God is the greatest achievement. Friends, if you want to do that, you got to begin to focus on what it is that God has for you. Not what your friends think. Not what your, uh, even your spouse thinks. It's what God thinks. You are gifted with abilities. Every single last one of you have abilities in your life that God has implanted before you were even born. And he's put that in you and he's ready to awaken it at any moment in time because he is God and he awakens the gifts for his pleasure. Now the question is, do you call to God and search for him? So my first thought was be wise and the second one is be, be focused. Now let me ask you a question. You ever been, you ever been in a car with some um, children and they want to say, what? Are we? So you are in the same car. Right? Are we there yet? The four words that haunt parents for years. Are we there yet? Painful words. Just stick a knife in my ear for crying out loud. You know what I, I started doing for a while? My kids they got angry at me. Ten more minutes. I would say no matter when they asked me. Because they knew any time they asked, am I lying, Elijah? I would do that. So I, no, no, listen, listen. They learned a lesson that I'm not going to give them time anymore. How much? Ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. And they said, I'm not going to ask that no more because I know what he's going to tell me. And my wife will tell him exactly to the minute, 42 miles. 38 minutes and 42 seconds. I'm like, 10 more minutes. Dad, we just pulled out of the parking lot. 10 minutes. They stopped asking me. It, it was amazing. It was an amazing discovery. But yeah, you're welcome. I'm saving lives, taking names. Here we go. But you know what's interesting about that? They knew the focus. The focus was the destination. So here's what I'll give credit to. They knew what the focus and the, the, the focus was the destination. And if we lived our lives that way in our Christendom, we would do a lot. So I know I've spoken to, about it in negative terms, but what if we turn that same idea into a spiritual element where we said, you know what, are we there yet? No? Well, I got to keep plugging away because I got to stay focused. The focus is always the destination. The journey's always going to be there, friends. Every day of your life, look at me, every single day of your life, it's about growth in Christ, right? Growth in Christ. I want to learn more about his word. I want to learn more about people around me, people of faith. I want to learn. It's always going to be the journey. But listen, listen. 
if the destination isn't in mind, you don't know where you're going. So set your destination right and let that be, be the focus. I got so much to say, but let me say this. How many have heard of uh, C.S. Lewis, Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters? You remember that? Some of you read it. Some of you may not. But focus and destination is very important. And, and one of the things um, that the screw tape letters teaches us, and I had a whole thing I wanted to read here, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to do that. But I am going to say this. The devil doesn't care if you go to church every single week as long as you don't apply what you've learned. Listen, there's a whole thing about the whole idea of the screw tape letters is amazing. But the enemy doesn't care. You get to attend church every single week as long as you don't apply what he said. He's okay with that. Why? Because the enemy wants superficial believers to be present because he can, he can win them over eventually. So let me share this thought because I found this interesting. The U.S. Marine Corps conducts a sniper program in Quantico, Virginia, and I, I consulted uh, one of our own about the sniper program, and it's called it's sniper camp, basically. And the school admits about 25 men and women every year, um, and every, actually every eight weeks, where they're expected to work 16 hours a day, seven days a week, and very few pass the course. And an extremely tough program to graduate, each person must go into a mock mission in a specific area, and they're embedded in this area. Now watch this. The instructors go into that area and try to find them, and they're required to shoot a target, and then the instructors are supposed to look for them. Now, the snipers are in that vicinity, in that area. They're wearing what's called a ghillie, and they're, they're, they're kind of in, in the midst of that uh, situation, and they're required to shoot a target. To get in range of the target, the, the sniper must move slowly. It's not uncommon for a sniper to move along the rate of an inch or so an hour in order not to be seen. They sit there getting bit by insects, cold weather, and let's be honest, in those kind of situations, snakes are there too. But they're required to move slowly. And through that, they're also required to give reconnaissance to the headquarters about things that they see. Because until I did this research and found this out and, and talked to uh, an individual, uh, snipers often, by and large, their job is reconnaissance. So they're supposed to evaluate the territory. You with me? Evaluate the territory and report back what they see so that they can respond appropriately. But they move slowly, focused and slowly they move to be able to. And if they're caught by their commanding officer or the person giving the test, they fail. Talk about focus. God is looking for believers to be totally focused and move with precision and faith. We expect that from doctors, don't we? 
We expect it from doctors. We expect it from judges and lawyers. We expect it from athletes to, to give their very best. So does God. But we can't do that if we don't have a focused life. So let me share with you my third thought because this sniper camp thing just really blew my mind because I think we're supposed to be that focused. The future of a focused life. For you died and now your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Before the days of modern, listen to this, this is amazing. Before the days of modern uh, navigational aids, the traveler made the Atlantic crossing in a boat equipped with two compasses. Now watch this. One was fixed to the deck where the man at the wheel could see it and the other compass was fastened upon the mast. And a sailor you would be seen climbing into it, you know, and fixing and making sure everything's good to go. A passenger once asked the captain this, why do you have two compasses, one down there and one up here with you? The captain replied, he said this, he said, this is an iron vessel, replied the captain, and the compass on the deck is often affected by its surroundings. Such is not the case with the compass at the masthead, the one that is above influence. We steer by the compass above, the one that's unaffected by its environment, the one that's unaffected by the, its, its, uh, the things and surroundings. Friends, as believers, we are guided by the one above. We are guided by a compass that no man can touch, no man can affect. God is our compass. He is our navigation. And therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews tells us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us watch this run with perseverance. Watch this run with focus. You with me? Run with focus and attention. Friends, the truth is that there's none of us in this room that can do this walk without focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to do. I want us to come together here on this very first Sunday of 2023. I want us to set our focus and set the tone for the entire year here this morning. So I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. And if you're here and you can look at Hebrews, everyone look up at the screen and look at this verse. I, I, you know what I want to do together? I want to do something without, I don't do this often, but I, I'd like us to read this out loud together. Can we do this? So some of you who can't see, just say, just say watermelon, watermelon until we're done with this part. Or just grab your own Bible, that's fine. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame 
and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is a declaration as the worship team comes. Therefore, since we're surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses. Listen, look around you right now. There's a cloud of witnesses right now in this room. And you have to realize that that's not what this is talking about. It's talking about the cloud of all of the church. The living and the dead. The ones that went before us. The ones that set the tone for us today. The ones that have said Jesus Christ is Lord and now they no longer breathe. Now they're sitting with the Father. Those are witnesses as well. But we, we look at all those that have gone before us and said, you know what? I too believe Jesus and I too want a, uh, an amazing future hidden in Christ. If you want 2023 to be better than 2022, and I've said this before, and I'll never stop saying it, I don't want part B of 2022. I want a fresh year with new breakthroughs, new miracles, and new anointing in my life. Amen.